listen to me. Why? Because I said so. You're so selfish. You never listen to me when I talk to you. Don't raise your voice to me. I'm not raising my voice. You always do that. I hate you. Well, I wish you had never been born. Video's a little uncomfortable. And many of us are uncomfortable in our homes. Many of us are uncomfortable around the dinner table. It's not so funny when it's not Will Ferrell, but it's your dad saying words you never thought you'd hear him speak. It's not so funny when it's your mom saying you're ugly and fat. Or your son or daughter, their tone of disrespect and disgust break your heart. Is there hope? Is there hope when every feeling you have around a dinner table is pain and brokenness and frustration? When every conversation you try to have with your mom or your dad or your son or your daughter, past mistakes are thrown in your face. Because everyone at every campus, we're all a son or a daughter, and many of us are moms and dads. Is there hope? Is there an answer to the anxiety, the distrust? I believe there is, and his name is Jesus. I believe in the name of Jesus there is freedom, there is peace, and there is love and hope. I believe at the feet of Jesus we can lay down anxiety, past mistakes, hurtful words and actions, past that we never thought we can forget. And we can pick up forgiveness and trust and vulnerability. We can pick up freedom and love and acceptance. His name is Jesus. Welcome to Faith Promise this weekend. My name is Micah. As we invite every promiser and special guest to set the table for their family for a spirit-filled legacy. No matter what your family looks like, if you have the traditional family, if your family looks a little bit different. During this series, we have seen so many families set free. So many sons and daughters transform moms and dads. And if you've missed a sermon or two, go back online and check it out. This series has been so life-giving to so many families. Because I believe what happens, we believe that faith promise. What happens on the weekends is amazing. The worship is unbelievable. This weekend specifically, the teaching is on point. <laughs> but so much more powerful is if faith promise will walk out of a campus and change their dinner table. Will leave the rows of faith promise and change the circle of their dinner table, their dialogue, their conversations, their prayers. That is what will change our country. That is what will change our communities. Our families give the power, not this building, not the campus you're sitting at, not this microphone, not the lights. Your family, you are faith promise. And I believe this weekend we're going to set some people free. We're going to set moms and dads free. We're going to set sons and daughters free. But before we go any further, I want to make a commitment. You and me, me and you. Mom and dad, son and daughter. And when I say sons and daughters, anybody living in a home? Anybody. So if I call you a student, you don't think you're a student, but you live in a home, I'm going to call you a student. 
So, we're all, so mom and dad, you go first. At every campus, every mom and dad, I want you to repeat after me. I promise to listen with an open heart, open ears. I will not use this message as a weapon against my children. It's about my heart, my actions, and my will. So help me God. All right, students, it's your turn. Parents waned off a little there at the end. Started nice and then kind of got to a murmur. Let's keep it strong. Students in the room, I promise. Mercy me. Hope it's louder at other campuses. I promise. I'm just going to hear it. I will listen with an open mind, an open heart, an open spirit. I love it back there. Thank you. I will not use this message as a weapon against my parents. It's about my heart, my actions, and my will. So help me God. Now the table is set. Let's pray. God, we invite you into every campus, every heart, every family. We truly believe with the power of the Holy Spirit, our families can reconcile. Our families can be the heartbeat of the Holy Spirit in our communities. We need you, Jesus, to fill the gaps of the brokenness, the frustration, the hurtful words. Flood us with forgiveness. Flood us with trust and vulnerability. We believe in you. We pray to you. We pray in the only name worth praying to, Jesus. We love you. In the name we pray. Amen. And amen. Mom versus dad. Parents versus kids. Son versus dad. Mom versus daughter. It sounds like a heavyweight fight. But why do we choose to be the enemy? Why do we battle with the people that we love the most? Why are we more respectful to people in traffic than our moms and our dads? Why do we give more grace to people that we're bumping into at the mall than the people we sleep next to? The familiarity breeds comfort. And we continue to take for granted the relationships that matter most. That matter the most. Moms and dads, you crazy. You crazy. Have you heard the story of these famous people and these CEOs paying insane amounts of money to hide their kids into these colleges? What's the matter with you? Hundreds of thousands of dollars they paid before one ounce, one dime, one cent of tuition was paid to usurp the system. Students, you think you're about to miss it? You heard the story about a daughter buying burner phones at high school because her parents took her phone away? Burner phones. Like she's in a Denzel Washington movie. She actually moved out because they could not reconcile this phone situation. Now, parents, before you start breathing into a paper bag, she moved back in when she was 18 because she believed her actions were immature. If you're a parent, you love that story. Can we just reset and say, hey, mom and dad, we're not perfect. 
Sons, daughters, students, kids, we're not perfect. Can we get there? Maybe just maybe this weekend, can we reevaluate our perspective on our side of the table? Maybe just maybe the freedom in your family comes from where you're sitting, not the person that needs to change their actions beside you or your son and daughter that you, oh, I wish they were here for this message. How about let's focus on the people that's sitting in our seat? Let's focus on that just a little. I know it's way easier to point because your kids are so disrespectful. They're so lazy. They're so entitled. They live in your house. They're spending your money. Me and my dad always thought about that. Millennials are so disrespectful. You're so lazy. I said, Dad, you raised me. <laughs> I, I'm you. This is me. You, me, me, you. Man, it's your fault. I think the best way to reevaluate our perspective is through Scripture. In Scripture, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. If you want to flip there in your phone or in your Bible, but it will be on the screen. The Bible we read is split into two parts, the Old and the New Testament. The New Testament begins with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, which we will be in, chapter 5, Luke, and John. The Gospels is just a, a account of what Jesus did, what he was, who he was, and his life, and the stories about it. So we're going to be in Mark 5, and the story that some of us have heard, some of us haven't heard. But I love this. We're just going to jump right in. Are you ready? Families, are we ready? Say, I'm ready. Yes. Say, I'm ready. I don't know why I got so mad. <laughs> After Jesus crossed by the boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jarius. I don't know how to say that. Can I just be honest with you right now? My friend kept saying, you're not saying it right, but it's just, that's what it is. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his knees beside himself. He begged, my, my dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she will get well. Jesus went with him. The whole crowd's hanging along, pushing and jostling him. Okay, the stage is set. Jesus gets out of the boat. There's already a crowd. Jairus meets him and says, my daughter is dying. He's got a crowd. This guy's a community leader. So now both crowds, Jairus, I'm going to say it different every time. Just walk with me. It's fine. I don't know. It's Hebrew. Get off it. They're all going now to the sick, the sick, sick girl's house because Jairus is asking, shut up. Get over yourself, okay? Gyrus. Gyroscope. That's how I'm going to remember it. Gyroscope. Gyrus wanted Jesus to lay his hands on his daughter. Mom and dad, who are you asking to lay hands on your kids? Who is laying hands on your kids daily, weekly? A group leader? Teachers? Coaches? Aunts and uncles? You? If there are not people in your life that love God and love your children, we may need to do what pastor said last week and reset. Are your parents, are your parents, are your kids and students going to summer jam and movement? Well, they have a lot of stuff to do. Summer camp, they got, we have beach vacation, we've got soccer camp, we've got band camp. Add it to the list. Well, I don't want them to be too busy. Then take something away. You love stats. Mom and dad, don't we love stats? When our, when our little Johnny kicks a goal in, you tell everybody he has a goal, he had a goal. How about this stat? 60% of people that meet Jesus in their lifetime meet him between the ages of 5 and 18. Not only will your student or kid 
possibly meet Jesus for the very first time this summer during Summer Jam Movement. It's incredibly fun. There'll be people that will love them, will put their hands on them, and will talk about Jesus on their level. It's not too late. Go to the lobby at your campus or go online and sign up your kids. Enroll your kids. Michael, well, I don't know if they don't really want to go and it's not really, they don't know anybody. Well, maybe pay for your kid and one of your kid's friends to go. I'm like a great idea machine. I didn't want to go to church. It wasn't an option. I played football. I had football practice from 4 to 6 on Wednesday. 6.30, church started. The question wasn't, was it football or church? It was church, and you, I happened to play football. But you're like, Micah, my son, my daughter, they could play college. So could I. Check this body out. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I was a top defensive end in the state of Tennessee, recruited by Tennessee and Kentucky and multiple other colleges. My, my letter didn't say, dear prospect. It said, dear Micah. They put my name on that paper. I crushed on the football field, but I was at church. And my dad couldn't have cared less about football. Couldn't have cared less about football. Because guess what? I didn't play in college, but I could have. I didn't. I didn't. I'm a school, whatever, my knees, ah, whatever. <laughs> I maybe play in college. Amazing. What if I went to the pros? Your kids aren't going to the pros. Newsflash. Can we move on? I've met them. It, it's rough. <laughs> but let's say the 1%, they go to college, they go to the pros. The games in their eternity never does. Get your kids at Summer Jam and movement. Come on. Some of you didn't believe me about that football thing. I'll show you. Maybe not today, but later. Let's jump back into the story. It gets so good. While he was still talking, some people came from leader's house. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them. Trust me. Parents, are you bothering Jesus about your kids? Here's the thing. The whole crowd is walking to the house to heal the girl. And then a group of people that have death on the tongue walk and say, don't worry, your kid's already dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Jesus says, don't listen to them. Trust me. Are we bothering Jesus about our kids? Are we praying for our kids? Are we talking to God about our kids? Are we banging on heaven about our kids? Are we bothering Jesus? My father's done a lot of amazing things for a lot of people. And he had a lot of talks with me. He caught me in a lot of compromising situations. A lot of times... They were naked situations. I don't want to go into detail. But always when he would find me to compromise a situation or knew something that I had done, he would always have a conversation with me, a lesson about how I was wrong and he was right. Great cadence. He would bow, 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 little sermonette. It was beautiful. But we were driving. I was 13 years old. I'll never forget it. Going home from church, and it starts. I can feel him building a rhythm as he does on the weekend, so eloquently. But then he started to stumble. He started to um and ah, and he got really uncomfortable. Like, what is this? I've got him on the ropes. I don't know what I did, but let's do this. Mike, attack! And it gets to the middle of the conversation. It ends up he wants to talk about sex. 
wants to talk about masturbation and how it's affecting my life and, and what I'm going through. And in that moment, I've never seen my dad more human. For 13 years, he was this perfect platform preacher, Superman guy. And in one conversation, he opened a door of vulnerability and trust for me. A, a conversation I could feel he didn't want to have. And in that moment, I saw a little bit of his imperfection. And it made my imperfection a little easier to share. 18 years later, I've walked through that door a lot to confess, to dialogue, to discuss things that I'm walking through because all those years ago, he opened that door and said, Micah, it's natural. Micah, let's talk. Micah, I'm here for you. My dad has done some amazing things in his life. Look around. With him and a countless other promisers, he's built one of the greatest churches that East Tennessee's ever seen. But the greatest thing he ever did for me was when I was 13 years old, I had no idea what was going on. I felt things I didn't understand. I wanted to do things I didn't understand. And he said, Micah, talk to me. Mom and dad, so often we tried to hide our imperfections from our children. So in turn, they hide their imperfections from you. Reveal to them your humanity, your imperfection. And hopefully in turn, by modeling that, they will talk to you about their imperfection. We must model what we expect. Why would you expect them to walk to you and confess and ask and talk when you don't do the same? Are we bothering Jesus for our kids? Parents, many of you in the room feel like you've done too much. Mike, I've done too much to hold a standard of truth in my family. I've made too many mistakes. I can't tell my child how to live when I didn't know how to live. Or some parents at a campus, a teacher, a coach, a friend, a neighbor, spoke words of death or spoke words over your children and said they can't be that. She can't do that. He can't be there. They can't go there. Jesus has a message for you, mom and dad. Don't listen to him. Trust Jesus. Trust in Jesus, mom and dad. It says Jesus came to give us life, real and eternal life, more and a better life than we could have ever dreamed of. Let's keep going. The story's about to get wild. I'm going to do a wider stance as I preach. He permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John. They entered the leader's house, pushed their way through the gossips, looking for a story, neighbors bringing casseroles. Jesus was abrupt. Why all this busybody, grief, and gossip? This child isn't dead. She is sleeping. Provoked to sarcasm, they told him he didn't know what he was talking about. Mom and dad, who are you pushing to the table to be around your family? Pete, Jesus did not permit everyone to go in that room with him. Just Peter, James, and John. Jesus did not want people that didn't believe in him to be around that girl. Mom and dad, who are you believing in to be around your sons and your daughters? I want people around my daughter Scarlett that will speak life and freedom and peace and joy and courage. That she can do anything that she wants to do. If you're going to speak death, you're not going to speak it around my daughter. I'm not going to permit it. Jesus did not permit anyone to go in because they said she's already dead. 
Jesus said, wait one second. A pastor friend of my dad's and mine told me about how he teaches his kids scripture. It was very interesting. It talks about in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, the powerful word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. You don't have to know everything about this knife for it to cut you. How about this, mom and dad? Student. Let's read the Bible every day together or separate. And mom and dad, if your student sends you a verse, you keep their phone on. Oh no, let's play for keeps, how about we? Because you'll shut their phone off if they're poorly in class. You'll shut their phone off or you'll threaten to shut their phone off if they don't do what they're supposed to do on the soccer field. But they can leave your house not knowing one ounce of scripture. Every day you say, hey, read a Bible verse, text me the verse. The day you don't, I'm shutting your phone off. Ha! We play for keeps. Hey, this is eternity. If that's too much, okay, okay, that's intense. I believe some families will do that and I can't wait to hear about it. But if you want a small step back, my father, annoying as it is, could connect the gospel to every movie we ever watched. Why? How? Angels in the outfield, people. He can't do it. He couldn't do it. He can. He did. When Danny Glover, at the end of Angels in the Outfield, adopted the two boys, credits roll. We looked at Dad. Shirt is soaked. He's weeping like a lady. That was actually disrespectful to women. He's just weeping like he weeps. Mom, laughing at him, says, why are you crying? He said, I didn't have a dad, and Jesus adopted me. Now we're all crying. You want a godly family? Talk about God with your family. You can clap. It's okay. I was a heavier lad back in the day. You know, not this ripped Adonis you see before you. And I was losing weight. I was doing great. And people would say, hey, what are you doing? You know what I'm doing. I'm not eating donuts and I'm at the gym. I love people. I love people that come up and talk to me about that. Hey, what are you doing? I'm eating chicken, not hamburgers. I got to try that. People ask that all the time. We want our family to be like your family. It has nothing to do that he's the pastor, that I am the way I am. I didn't learn anything in high school from him from the platform. I was asleep in the back. I learned everything I know in high school about God from my dad at home. Had nothing to do with where he worked. Nothing. Mom and dad, you don't have to be the pastor of faith promise to instill godly values in your kids. Students, Take some onus of your own spiritual formation, your own spiritual journey. Ask to go to movement. Push and have spiritual conversations with your mom and your dad. The story's about to end, and it's about to get incredible. But when he sent all of them out, he took the child's hand, the father and mother, along with his companions, and he entered the child's room. He collapsed the girl's hand. He said, Talitha, come, which means little girl, get up. At that, she was up and walking around. This girl was 12 years of age. They, of course, were all beside themselves with joy. He gave them strict orders that no one was to know what had taken place in that room. And he said, give her something to eat. Mom and dad, what are we giving our kids spiritually to eat? 
Micah, it's a little dramatic, don't you think? The daughter in the story was dying. My kid isn't sick. I take her to the hospital. In the last 30 years, teenage suicide is up 440%. If you don't believe the sickness of sin is killing our children, wake up, mom and dad. This isn't condemnation. This isn't fear. This is, we need an awakening of spiritual conversations around our tables. This is awakening that God is real. Jesus loves you. Let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. And I want this to be practical. This is a great book. Amazing. The Bible's awesome. But let's get down and dirty. Let's have a practical conversation. I'm going to invite my wife. You think it's good here. It's about to get real good. My wife, my partner in crime. Give it up for Joy. She's amazing. Some call her the luckiest woman on earth. I don't know why. Just let that sink in. I want this to be practical. I want to model a conversation that godly parents should be having with their students and kids. I want to help, and this should be both and. Students, you should be looking for this, and if you don't get it from your mom and dad, go to FP students or FP kids and let us help you find that. We're going to model this for two students that we know better than anybody, our 12-year-old selves. Can we get a picture of 12-year-old Micah, please? Wow! Yeah, that's not, that's not a right one. That's not good. That's, a little, that's not far enough back. That's a lot of me, man. That's too far back. One more. Can we go to one? There we go. Look at that. What a great family. All right. That's who I'm going to be talking to. Let's see, Joy, who are you going to be talking to? 12-year-old Joy. Amazing. How cute. Sweet. Joy. Dollywood. <laughs> yep, it's still there. Model for us, looking this way. What it should be like as a 12-year-old, how mom and dad, mom's in the room at every campus. What will it feel like to talk to someone, their 12-year-old daughter? So the first thing that I would tell my 12-year-old self if I was a mom or really myself now coming back and talking to my 12-year-old self, I would say your value is not determined by how you look or by other people's opinions of you. I think right now in society, we see so much of our value being placed as women and as girls in how we look physically, and we forget that really, truly, beauty is found within, and I think I didn't learn that um, until, obviously, now I'm 27, so I, I am continuing to learn that, but... Um, it is true. So if your parents tell you this, girls, they mean it. They mean it. Um, the second thing I would say is be bold in your convictions, in the things that you hold true in your life, but do it from a place of love. So loving Jesus, loving yourself, that's important, and loving others. If you are acting from a place of love, in the things that you believe, then there is no place for being stuck up. There's no place for talking down to others or about others. And we're kind of bad at that, aren't we, women, girls? Um, so acting from a place of love, even if you do hold things to be true in your life. Um, the last thing I would say is some wisdom does come with age, right? So humble yourself and learn from others 
that are in a place that you want to be at when you get older. There are lots of people, your friends, your teachers, maybe even your parents, that are going to tell you that you should look up to this person or be like this person. But what God has put in your life and what he has projected for your future is different than others. So find someone that is where you want to be, not just success, guys, where you want to be generously, where you want to be lovingly, where you want to be building your, how you want to build your family and model yourself after those people and listen to those people's advice. Thank you so much. Give Joy a round of applause. Oh, my mercy. Thank you so much, my love. I would tell my 12-year-old self, being funny isn't everything, my man. Some jokes hurt people's feelings. And I've, I'm, I've done that before. I would tell my 12-year-old self and dads, tell your sons, don't let potential become a prison. I had a lot of gifts when I was 12-year-old, and most people told me about those gifts, but I wasn't trained as well how to use those gifts. I would tell my 12-year-old self, read more about the Bible and about other things. You're going to be 30 and not know nothing, and you're going to pronounce it Jarius like a dummy. Those are just a few things. Thank you so much, Joy. Those are just a few things that a conversation modeling, mom and dad, start having those conversations. The person across the table from you is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Some of you in the room, some of you at a campus, you, this Jesus thing is so foreign to you because you don't know him. The amazing thing about Jairus that may have been the worst one. <laughs> the story of them walking to his daughter's house, the middle of that, a woman they've been bleeding for 12 years touches the hem of Jesus' garment on the way to the house. Jesus says, who touched me? Peter says, there are people everywhere. Everyone's touching you. He said, no, someone touched me. This woman had been bleeding for 12 years, believed if she touched the hem of his garment, she would be saved. She would be healed. Some of you may feel like you've been bleeding for 12 years. Some of you believe spiritually you're like the 12-year-old daughter that's laying, dying in bed. Either way, wherever you're at, no matter what you've done, there is freedom available for you, and his name is Jesus. And it's the gospel, and it's amazing. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. It's nothing crazy. It's just admitting that we're not perfect, and Jesus is, and his death was all we needed to live a life of freedom. So with every head bowed at every campus, could you say, just repeat after me as a family, if you feel comfortable out loud, say, dear Jesus, thank you. Your perfection covered my imperfection. I believe you died and you rose again to save me. I believe in you. I will live for you from this day until my last day. Amen. Can we celebrate with those that may have prayed the prayer for the very first time? Thank you, Jesus. It's amazing.